Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, so glad that you are here today. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us on this Sunday. Wherever you're watching, we're so glad you're here, even though we're unable to be in God's house. So thankful that God is in ours and uh, with us in all these places. And I guess today uh, I, I want to start by being thankful for, for several different things. For, for starters, I'm thankful that we live in a country where we are free. On this Memorial Day weekend, we have the opportunity to remember that as we say so many ways, freedom is not free and that uh, many lost their lives over the centuries for us to enjoy the freedoms that we have. And so I hope you'll, you'll pause and take some time uh, even this weekend, this Memorial Day weekend, and give thanks for the many who lost their lives so that we could have this freedom. I'm also thankful that uh, our president spoke out for religious liberty this week. The declaration that was made that churches are essential was a strong affirmation of the value that churches bring to our nation, to our society. This was especially true for those states that have been explicitly given directions not to meet, kind of each state has had a different balance. And so I'm thankful for that statement. And I'm thankful that we live in a state where churches have been considered essential all along. Since March, when so much of this began, Ohio has considered houses of worship to be essential through this whole process. And I'm thankful that even though the church has not been able to physically meet in person, I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of a church that believes in the church. I, I wanna thank you today for your generosity and the many ways in which through this season you have continued to, to be the church, that we've been able to reach our community, that we've been able to continue to love the 419, that just this week I, I was made known of several ways in which your giving has been able to come alongside of individuals and families from right here in our own church to be able to help them through difficulties in this season. And ministry has continued to happen. Thanks for your faithfulness in giving because as you give, you not only allow ministry to move forward, but you position yourself through your obedience to receive God's blessing that we read about in scripture. And so thanks for your giving. Uh, to make those gifts to Calvary, you can do that by giving online. You can text to give. You can mail that in, however that uh, works best for you. But thank you so much for your continued faithfulness in giving. And I also wanna say thanks to those of you who have taken our survey. We uh, made available by email earlier uh, this past week, a survey to help us get feedback and insight from you with regards to your thoughts about us coming back and joining together in public worship. And uh, so many of you have already filled that out. If you haven't had that opportunity, maybe check and see if you received that email from us, if you're a part of our, our Calvary family. It's also available on our Facebook page where you can find a link to that survey. And it's also available in the comments to this video that you're watching right now that you can uh, go and check that out. Click on that link. Survey takes less than five minutes to complete and would love your insight into that. As we move forward with all the things that we've talked about here today, Calvary's leadership is, is praying and being diligent about how we will open up hopefully in the near future. We wanna do this with wisdom and in a way that is safe and that follows the recommended standards and guidelines. We also wanna do it with excellence in a way that's gonna allow us to glorify Jesus as we come together, which is few distractions as possible. We will come back and when we do, uh, thank you for the insights you're offering through this survey. 
Our hope is that next week we'll be able on Sunday to give you some even more information with some more specifics about what that's going to look like in the coming weeks. I can't wait. Uh, I think every Sunday, just think about uh, how much I miss the privilege we have of coming together, worshiping together, looking forward to seeing you again, to seeing those times of us together again. One last thing that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that this week I got a haircut. Uh, it was nice to be able to get back to some normal things. And even as things are kind of opening up here in Ohio, it feels like we're entering into not, not just spring, but maybe even a new season. I think that's really relevant, especially today as we wrap up this series of messages that we've been in called Seven Letters. Today is the last one, and we've been looking at the book of Revelation, uh, initially the first three chapters, and considering these letters that Jesus gave to the Apostle John, who was a guy in isolation, and they were letters being written to a church in crisis. So very timely for us during this last season of time. And we noticed some themes in the book of Revelation. And I repeat them because I think they've helped us as we've gone through this season, especially as we're looking to what's, what's next, what's ahead on the other side of this season. You know, we, we often think that the book of Revelation is all about the future, which so much of it is. But it was written to a church about their present. And when Jesus gave them this information, he wanted them to know that things may get worse before they get better. I think that's something that as Christians we need to hold on to because we don't live in a, in a perfect place and in a perfect time. Things may get worse before they get better, but you are going to make it. What's the, what's the big theme of the book of Revelation? It's that Jesus wins in the end and you are going to make it. You know, it feels like we're entering into this season of reopening. Now, look, our concerns about the coronavirus are not over. We still have health concerns, economic concerns, concerns about restrictions. Many of you have started to go back to work. There's things that will be reopening even again this week. Some of you have even been able to get that retail therapy that you've been longing for for a while. Or maybe you're excited to get back to the gym or maybe you've been to your favorite restaurant. And yet, even as things are kind of coming back to some familiarity, a lot of things are not the same and may not be for some time. Now, let's be honest, for some of us, we have different responses when we talk about this. Some of you need to talk about these things. I know that from conversations that I've had with you. Others of you, you're, you're sick of talking about these things. And you're like, can we just move on? Maybe a good way for us to go today is just to laugh a little bit. You know, I, I have uh, from time to time gotten a pretty good chuckle out of some of the memes and quotes that have passed along through this whole season. And here, here's a few of them that were some of my particular favorites. For those of you, maybe as a child of the 80s, this comes to me, the, an old Back to the Future reference. Marty, whatever happens, don't ever go to 2020. And uh, that was uh, maybe, a, maybe a timely word from Doc Brown. Here's, here's one that I think we can all relate to. For those who have lost track, today is Blur's Day, the 14th of Maplelay. And I think that we can relate to how the days have seemed to kind of run together. Now, look, this may not be right, but this last one is, is probably my personal favorite. When social distancing is over, let's not tell some people. I, th I thought that was kind of, kind of funny. Let's, uh, let's not tell some people. Look, this seventh letter that we're going to look at today was written to a church that was being offered a new season. Jesus was saying to them, look, I, I'm going to open a new door for you. I, I'm going to give you a new opportunity. I just don't know that they realized it. 
See, Jesus is going to give to this church an invitation. And we might ask, why do they need it? Well, they need it because as we look at this passage of Scripture, he really doesn't have a whole lot good to say about them. And as you'll see in a moment, he's offering them an invitation to a new season. Here's what he says. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. There, there's this invitation that's there. And Jesus says, look, I'm right here. If you'll hear my voice and open the door, I, I can bring your life into a whole new season. In the book of Revelation, we've already seen that when Jesus talks about this, this door, a door, he's talking about opportunity, his work in our lives. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, just a few verses before this, Jesus says to the church that he was writing the letter in Philadelphia, he says, I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Jesus uses this analogy to say, as you transition from this place to another, your life can transition from one season, one opportunity to another. In this instant, in verse 20, he's saying, look, in, in our relationship, we can move into this new season. His encouragement is open the door, like open the door and move into this new season, this, this new relationship with Jesus. The question I had to ask myself is, why did he have to say this so explicitly to this church in Laodicea? And why is it so important that we hear it? Jesus is writing this seventh letter to the church in the city of Laodicea. We probably know more about this church's physical environment, as you'll see in just a few moments, than we do any of the other six that we've looked at. And I want to show you, based on what we know about them, three reasons we do not open the door. That when Jesus knocks, we can learn this from this church in Laodicea, kind of three reasons why sometimes we just do not open the door. See, if we're not careful, we'll miss out on the season or the things that God has available to us. So let's learn some lessons from Laodicea. Here's the first one. Number one, why don't we open the door? Oftentimes we don't take the effort. Oftentimes the reason that we do not open the door to the new things, the new season, the grace, the, the, the opportunities that God has in store for us is simply because we do not take the effort. Jesus had a real concern about this church in Laodicea. We know this because he does not start by affirming them at all. In fact, he really doesn't say anything good about them in this letter. Instead, he just jumps right to his message. Look at this, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. He says, I wish you were one or the other. So because you are, and here's a key word right here, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Well, that's a bold statement from Jesus. If you've been around the church for any period of time, you've probably heard that passage of scripture before. Jesus says, I wish you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. We usually equate that temperature to zeal, that, that we say if we are hot, then we're passionate about our faith. And if we're cold, then we've allowed our faith to grow cold. But that, that doesn't make complete sense. 
Because when I think about that, why would Jesus say that he would wish that you were cold? That, that's not his desire at all. He desires that none perish, that we all be in right relationship with him. So I wonder if there's not something else going on there. It helps us to learn a little bit about this city. If Jesus were writing to Toledo, he, he might talk about Toledo being the glass city, or he might mention Lake Erie, or he might talk about the rockets, he, the, the walleye, the mud hens. He'd talk about something that would relate back to us. And that's the same thing he's doing to the city in Laodicea, to this church that is there. And one of the things that we've learned is the water supply to this city was terrible. It was in contrast to some of the other places. About eight to ten miles away, there were a couple of other places. One called Hierapolis, which was known for having hot springs. There was also a city called Colossae. You may have heard of that before. That's where the letter to the church that we read about in the book of Colossians, that's where it was written to. In Colossae, they were known for their clear, cold, pure waters that were there. So you had these hot springs in Hierapolis. You had these cold, pure waters in Colossae. But you didn't have anything like that in Laodicea. In fact, their water all had to be brought in by aqueduct from about five miles away from some springs that were there. And by the time it got to the city, it was usually tepid. It was kind of nasty to drink. It had been in that, that aqueduct and that piping system that has been revealed over time as they've explored it. Archaeologists, it's been full of sediment. What they've come to find out is that as great as the city as Laodicea was, they had a lousy water supply. It was lukewarm, was disgusting. I, I grew up in a little town called Southington, Ohio, just outside of Warren, pretty, pretty rural little place. And uh, during the years when I was growing up, most of the, the community relied on well water. In fact, the, the public school that I went to there had well water. And what was unique about that part of the world is that there were sulfur deposits all throughout. And so the water tasted with this sulfur tinge to it that the water smelled like and tasted like rotten eggs. It was nasty. And I can remember after a gym class as a, as a kid in high school, you'd get done with phys ed and then you'd You'd go and, and you'd play dodgeball or basketball or whatever, and you're hot and you're sweaty, and you're on your way back to the, to the locker room to change clothes. And in the process, you stop to get a drink. And I can remember standing there in line, waiting for my turn, and smelling that egg water. And then you'd drink it, and it just tasted terrible. The, the only reason you drank it is because you knew you needed it. You were thirsty. But it just did not satisfy. And every time I read this passage about this water in Laodicea, I can't help but think of that sulfur water in Southington that you would drink it, but honestly, you didn't, you didn't want it in your mouth. Jesus says to the church, hey, your deeds are like your water. He says, cold water I could use because cold water is refreshing. And hot water I could use because it warms the body and it's good in, in, in drinking. But he says, he says Laodicea, your, your works, your deeds... They're like your water, and I really can't use you because you're just lukewarm. And basically what he says to them, your deeds are like your water, and it makes me sick. There's something that Jesus highlights here that is disgusting about lukewarm. What's that mean for us as Christians? 
Well, I suppose a lukewarm Christian just really isn't making a difference. They're not refreshing like cold water. They're not warming like hot water. They're not making a difference around. They're just kind of lukewarm. He's saying to this church, you say you're Christians, but your deeds don't show it. And as a result, I kind of just want to spit you out of my mouth. The same can be so true about the world around us where we, we believe in Jesus, but we're really not making a difference. We're, we're, we're not bought in. We're just kind of lukewarm. Thinking about being back in school, I can remember being in the eighth grade and there was this girl in my class that I had a crush on. Back in the day, you, you would uh, want to have that uh, girl as your girlfriend. And so the question you would ask, at least in my school when I was in junior high, was will you go with me? You know, they were, they were going together. You didn't use the word dating. You didn't really say boyfriend, girlfriend. Just, you know, will you go with me? So I kind of had a crush on this girl. She sat about three or four rows over from me in study hall and her really good friend sat right in front of me. And I can remember leaning up to her friend one day in, in study hall and just kind of whispering and saying, hey, do you, do, you think, do you think she likes me? Do you think she'd go with me? And her friend said, I can find out. So she pulled out a piece of notebook paper and she wrote a note. We, we didn't have cell phones to text each other back then. And so she, she pulled out the you know, old school communication, piece of notebook paper and wrote on it, Chad um, likes you. If he asked you to go with him, what would you say? And she folded that note up, started passing it down. It went down one row, two rows, three rows. I saw her open it. I could only see like the back of her head, right? I saw her open it. Then she pulled out a pen and she wrote something on the note. My little heart's going pitter patter, kind of pounding out of my chest. She folds it back up. She passes it back, kind of works its way over. And her friend who's sitting in front of me opens this note and as she does, I'm able to look over her shoulder and I can see what she wrote. She wrote, if Chad asks me to go with him, I'll probably say yes, but I won't be doing cartwheels about it. And I remember reading that. I'll probably say yes, but I won't be doing cartwheels. And I remember having the, the presence of mind to think of myself, if you're, if you're not going to do cartwheels, then I'm not interested. Because the last thing I want is a relationship with someone who's lukewarm. And all these years later, I just wish I could look her in the eye and say, you're lost, girl. Here, here's, here's the thing. We would probably never say that about Jesus. Oh, I, I love Jesus. I'm just not doing cartwheels over it. You'd probably never say it. But is that how you live? Look, lukewarm living is never satisfying. Several years ago, Craig Groeschel coined a term, the Christian atheist. Someone who says they believe, but lives like they don't. And for many of us, that's how we're living. And I just want to encourage you, lukewarm living is never satisfying. Some of us have even said, look, I, I, I used to be really active in church. Or I used to really be passionate about my faith. I've done my time. It's now time for me to kind of sit back. And can I tell you what Jesus says about that? He says that kind of thinking is disgusting. Look, I want to encourage you. The church needs you in this season. We're, we're beginning to talk, right, about reopening. We're, we're talking about coming back together for public in-person worship. But can I tell you, the church has never been closed. The building's been empty. 
But God's not been silent or on sabbatical or on vacation. God wasn't in the, the ICU trying to get better. Look, he's never stopped being our God and we've never stopped being the church. We've continued to love the 419. We've been reaching out to as many people as ever through online ministry. We've had hundreds of people involved in online life groups that have been helping us to be true to the passage of Scripture in Hebrews 10 that says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We've been coming together online. We've been coming together in these groups. And look, in this process, we have never stopped being the church. And whether you're inside or outside the walls of 1316 Conant Street, can I encourage you, do not stop being the church. We need you to love your neighbor, to encourage one another, to share your faith, to be obedient to that whisper of the Holy Spirit. And as we get ready to meet together again, we need to come together. Here was the problem in Laodicea. Jesus says this, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He says, you make me want to spit you out. Why is that? How do things get lukewarm? What, what happens is distance makes the difference. Like when you get away from the source, the further you get from the source, the more you lose that heat or the more you lose that cold. Friends, can I encourage you, especially in this season, stay close to Jesus. James chapter 4, verse 7. Look at what this says from the New Living Translation. I love this passage of Scripture. James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God... And God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. When I choose to say, I'm not going to let my loyalty be divided, but instead I'm going to get close to Jesus. It makes all the difference. The first reason that oftentimes we, we don't open the door of opportunity when it knocks is because we just don't make the effort. The second thing we see in this passage about Laodicea is oftentimes we don't think we need it. Like we hear this opportunity knock, Jesus' voice, and oftentimes we don't respond to open that door because we don't think we need it. Here's what we read, Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. That's quite an assessment that Jesus gives of this church in Laodicea. And to us, we just kind of read it. We think they're random words. But look at what he says here. He says, you think you're rich, but actually you're wretched and pitiful. And then these last three are really important. You're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Those weren't just random words that Jesus uses. See, it's important for us to realize Jesus is not just some solicitor when he comes to the door. I have a tendency sometimes to, when somebody rings the doorbell or comes to the door, if I don't know who they are and if I can tell that they're, they're trying to sell something or raise funds, I, I kind of immediately get this attitude of, hey, look, I don't need what you're selling. And I reject it because I, I don't think I need that because I say to myself, I have everything that I need. Can I encourage you? Jesus says this in a spiritual sense, self-reliance is self-deception. When you think you have it all covered, you are deceiving yourself, and setting yourself up for failure. So many times I think we, we start to think that, that we don't need certain things in our lives in certain seasons. That was the church in Laodicea. 
Look at what Jesus says to them. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. This is really important. When he talks about the gold and when he talks about the clothes and when he talks about this medication to put on their eyes, all of this is incredibly significant. See, when we read this, we just kind of blow past it because we don't understand it all. But when you know the history of the city of Laodicea, it changes everything. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying to them here. He says to them that we find provision in Jesus. He's telling them that in your life, we find provision in Jesus. See, when Jesus says to them, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can be rich, he's, he's marking an overconfidence that's in their lives. The city of Laodicea was known for having great big wads of cash. Like they had all kinds of money to the point that there was an earthquake in AD 60. And when that happened, a lot of the cities in their region were destroyed. And the Roman Empire came in and said, hey, look, we'll, we'll help you rebuild your city. And all these other cities said, yes, 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 we'll take your stimulus money to rebuild this. And the city of Laodicea looked at the Roman Empire and said, nah, we're good. We got enough. They were known for being a center of commerce and banking, for walking around with a big wad of cash in their pocket. Jesus says to them, look, your cash is only going to do so much for you. Ultimately, you need to realize that you find provision, that you find value in me. For some of us, that provision is, is for our needs in our lives. But where I really want to focus for a moment is where do you find your value? Not just the physical things that you need from God. What does the Bible say? My God will supply all my needs. But do you think of that not just in the sense of what you will have financially, but who you are personally. Look, your value, your provision, your worth comes from your relationship with Jesus Christ. And many of us are struggling in that. A lot of us in this season, your life finds its meaning first in who you are in Christ and not in anyone else. I wanted to have a, a door with me today, kind of just as a visible sign, as a visible reminder that Jesus said he is, he's knocking that he's opening up this new season. And when I, when I found this door that was here just kind of as one of the, the things that we have here at the church as a prop or a decoration or whatever, I looked at it and I went, it, it'll work, it's the right size, but it sure is beat up. Like it definitely needs some cleaning up if it's, if it's going to be used for anything real. And, and I looked at it and I thought, I don't know that I want to use that kind of chipped up, banged up door and then I thought to myself, actually, that's probably the perfect analogy. Because oftentimes I feel like I have a chipped up, banged up life. And I look at myself and I, and I value myself based on the things that I see. And I say to myself, nobody would ever knock on that door. How could Jesus use me? And remember that no matter who we are, he stands at the door and he knocks. Because we find our provision in Jesus. Today we're going to celebrate our, our graduates and we've been talking about this all week and we have a drive through graduation celebration that we're going to do this afternoon at 2 o'clock. And to our graduates, I want to affirm you that as you take this next step into the world, remember that your value and your worth 
It's not found in your grades. It's not found in your looks. It's not found in your friends. It's found in your relationship with Jesus Christ and who he says you are, which leads to this next thing. What Jesus also says to the church in Laodicea is that we find forgiveness in Jesus. Look, we find forgiveness in Jesus. He offers them white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. Guess what the city of Laodicea was? It was a fashion center. They were known for the fabric that they made there, particularly out of this, this black wool that was like real, real slick and kind of shiny and very, very well known in that, in that part of the world. And so they considered themselves to be designers. They considered themselves to be a fashion center. And Jesus says, hey, for how much you think you've got yourself covered, you're actually naked. You come to me because I'm the one who'll cover your, your naked shamefulness. He says, I'm the one who can give you forgiveness for your sins. Look, Jesus, our Savior, offers forgiveness to our lives. Jesus, our Savior, offers forgiveness to our lives. And that's something we all need. Look, if you've wrestled with guilt or shame or this lack of self-worth, or maybe even the last couple months you felt like I, I, I didn't do enough or I can't do enough, or you have regrets, recognize that there's forgiveness available to each and every one of us through Jesus Christ. Because we also, and this is the third thing he shows us in this verse, we find meaning in Jesus. Not just do we find our provision and value, not just do we find our, our forgiveness, but we find meaning for living in Jesus. He says to them, and this is really significant, he says to them, look, you can buy from me a salve that will help you to see. Well, in reference to that eye medication, the historian Strabo tells us that there was a medical school in the city of Laodicea, and that a famous ophthalmologist practiced there. And it was in the, the region of what's called Phrygia, which was known to have these different elements that they would put together and create this medication for the eye called a Phrygian powder. So when Jesus talks about a salve for their eyes, look, they immediately know, hey, we, we sell that here. We make that here. We're the home of that. And Jesus says, before you get too carried away with the fact that you're the eye doctor's, Recognize that you can't see clearly without me. I want you to know you will never be able to see clearly without Jesus. Some of you are in the midst of making major decisions. You're, you're trying to decide what steps to take in relationships and occupations. And you're trying to decide what, what, what moves to make with regards to your future. And you have major decisions. Can I encourage you? And I found it to be true over and over again. You will never be able to see clearly without Jesus. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day in the church calendar where we commemorate the giving of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to help us and give insight in those moments when we're willing to say, Jesus, you are my Lord. See, because Jesus, our Lord, gives meaning to our lives. Not only is he our Savior who gives us forgiveness, but Jesus, our Lord, gives meaning to our lives. Here's what Jesus is saying to them. Everything you need is found in Jesus. Do you see the things he hits here? He talks about their cash. He talks about their appearance. He talks about their health. The things that so many times we place our confidence in. And he says all of those things in the end, they're not going to last. What you really need is Jesus. Some of you are feeling that need today. I, I don't know how, I don't know in what way, but can I encourage you, 
If you'll honestly come to him and say, Jesus, I give you my life. You're going to find a life and a hope in Jesus that you will not find in any other way. I, I, I even want to encourage specifically those of you maybe who have started joining us online through these last weeks. Like maybe you've never even attended Calvary in a physical sense. But Calvary's become your church home these last few weeks. Because you've heard things, you've seen things, you've experienced hope in a unique way. Look, we would love to, to encourage you. We would love for you to be a part of our Calvary family. If you've not already filled out one of the connection cards, you can, you can go on our website and there'll be a link in the comments that you can click that just says get connected. We would love to be able to share more information about the church and a gift with you. And more importantly, we would love to help you to move forward in this relationship with Jesus Christ, what you found in him, because everything you need is found first in Jesus which takes us to the third thing, kind of a, a third reason to consider today. Why sometimes when Jesus knocks, do we not open the door? Number three, because we aren't listening for his voice. Number three, we aren't listening for his voice. Back to our text. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. See, those two go together. <laughs> you got to hear his voice to open the door. Then I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Now look, this is significant. Why does he say I'll eat with that person? Because in that culture, the sign of relationship was when you shared fellowship at a table. When you came together and you interacted with one another. Jesus says, I want to have relationship with you you just need to hear my voice and listen to me. We live in a world that is full of distractions. Can I tell you, distraction is the enemy of opportunity. And if we're not careful, those distractions are going to keep us from what God is trying to speak to us about. Identify this for a moment. What are the voices or the things that may be pulling you away from being in a place where you're fully committed to Jesus. Not, not lukewarm and not self-reliant, but where you say, Jesus, I fully commit myself to you. Where you're listening for his voice. Where you're constantly saying, we talked about this week, God, how do you want to use me today? How, how do you want to, to me be at work in your plan and accomplishing your purposes? We have to be careful with these distractions because distraction is the enemy of opportunity. And can I tell you where else it comes from? Oftentimes, I think we hear, but we don't listen. See, not listening is a big problem. I think we see it in our homes all the time. I mean, we, we kind of joke about it, about how sometimes, you know, a husband will say, well, she's talking, but I didn't hear her. Or, or the wife will say, well, he, I, he, he says he didn't hear me, but I know I said it. We'll kind of joke in that way. But can I tell you, it's not just a ha-ha kind of thing. Like how many times do we have issues in our lives because we hear something, but we're really not listening. Like it happens with our spouses and it happens with our kids. It happens with our friends and our family. Probably far more often than we know, God sends people our way and we hear what they say, but he wants us to actually listen to him and how we can help them. And it's happening in this season Look, for so many of us, with all the noise that's around us right now, 
We only hear the things we want to hear and we don't listen to what others might be saying. That others in this season have concerns that we need to acknowledge. That they have opinions and thoughts that are good for us to listen to. And in these moments, and I'll be honest, it's been kind of a little bit tricky to pastor in this season. Because I know so many good people who have so many differing opinions. In this season, how important it is that we don't just hear people but that we listen to what they're saying. Can I tell you this? Hearing without listening is the enemy of relationship. When you hear someone, but you don't really listen to what they're saying, that's the enemy of relationship. Jesus says, look, if you hear my voice, do something about it and open the door. <laughs> because I want to have relationship with you. I, I want to live my life with you. See, we can do this to Jesus. We can get used to going to church. We can get used to listening to spiritual things. My, my concern is that for some of us, we've got maybe even a little too comfortable with church on the couch. And as a result, we've stopped actually living out our faith and we miss when he's knocking on the door to our hearts. My number one hope for this message it is, is that you go into this next week, that your ears will be open to hear from Jesus. I've gotten to the place where oftentimes when the doorbell rings, I just kind of ignore it because so many times when the doorbell rings at my house, it's because whether it's the, the, the postal service or UPS or FedEx or whoever, they're dropping off a package. It's something that one of us ordered online. There's three of us that live at the house now and any one of us could order something on any given day. And they're dropping off a package and they ring the doorbell and they walk away. And I go, I don't have to go to the door right now. I'll, I'll go the next time I'm in the room or when I'm closer or when I'm back upstairs or whatever that looks like. And so I can be in the basement. I have a little office in the basement as we've been working from home. I can be in the basement, hear the doorbell and go, oh, there's a package. I'll go get it later and never think that someone important might be there. Until a few weeks ago. Because I had an important package that was coming. And I got, a, I got a notice on my phone that says, hey, your important package is coming. And you have to sign for it. And if you don't sign for it, you won't get it. Man, do you think I was listening for the doorbell that day? You better believe I was. And I told Rhonda, Rhonda, don't you let that doorbell ring and not go to the door. I may be in the basement. I might not hear it. I might be on a call. If the doorbell rings, can you please just, if you're, if you're listening, can you, can you open that door? Because somebody's going to come and they're going to ring the bell. They're going to knock. And I, wanted, I want what's on the other side of that. And I want to respond to that. And boy, I'll tell you, I was listening all day. I don't think the package came till after 3 o'clock. I spent the whole day just kind of listening. I kept looking on the app on my phone, just checking the tracking. Where, where's it at? What's going on? Is it on its way? This kind of thing because I knew that there was something I needed on the other side of that door and when I realized that boy did I listen look Jesus says that in your lukewarm living you're really not living at all and in your self-reliance you're just deceiving yourself what you really need is to deal with the distraction and, and start really hearing what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. And you open that door. And when you do, you're going to find something wonderful in your life. He says, I'm inviting you to a whole new season. And then the last verse of this last letter is the same thing we've read over and over seven times in these seven letters. Revelation chapter 3, verse 22. Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches 
My question to you, what is the Spirit speaking to you today? Look, I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me if you would for just a moment, wherever you're at. And I'd ask you this question, what is the Spirit speaking to you? In just a moment, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer of, of, of affirmation. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. For some of you, this may be a, a prayer that you pray for the very first time. For others of us, this is a, a renewal of this prayer to say, Jesus, I don't want to be lukewarm. Jesus, I, I don't want to live my life in a way where I'm relying on myself. I want to hear your voice. I need you as my Savior and my Lord. And if you would say today, Jesus, I want to hear what you're speaking to me. Would you pray this prayer with me? Would you pray, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending your son to die for my sin. I ask today that you'd forgive my sin and be my savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord. May I not live a lukewarm faith. May I not depend on my own self-reliance. May I hear your voice and open the door so that your life can live in me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you wanna know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, on our website, you'll, you'll find a, a link right on the front page that says, who is Jesus? Just click there. Or you, this link's also in the comments. We'd love to share with you more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Also, if you haven't had a chance to take the survey yet, we'd invite you to do that. Um, and you can find that link as well in the comments or on our Facebook page. Again, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Before we go back to our team with a couple of other thoughts, let me pray with you. Father, thank you for this day in your word. God, thanks for the way your spirit speaks to us. Lord, we ask that you would in our homes, in the places where we are right now, that you would bless us with your special favor and your wonderful peace in Jesus' name, amen.